Today we conclude a 22-week journey through the book of Hebrews. And if you'll recall, at the end of chapter 12, we were instructed to offer to God acceptable worship. And chapter 13 is helping us to understand what is meant by acceptable worship. It has a lot to do with our liturgy, but as we saw last week, it also has to do with the sort of community we cultivate. It has to do with our love for one another. In our passage today, verse 16 is going to reinforce this idea. It says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The word pleasing there is the same Greek word as acceptable in chapter 12. Acceptable worship means doing good and sharing what we have. And so we continue today with with that same basic theme, the theme of Christian love and Christian community. But this week, special attention is given to the priority of church membership and more specifically to the relationship between the members of the church and the leaders of the church. But to begin, I want to skip ahead to verses 20 and 21. Okay, these verses are a benediction. It's It's a word of blessing that sums up the purpose and intent of Hebrews. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, within these verses, you you probably notice several themes from throughout the past 22 weeks. But but I want to point out the word peace, the God of peace. It's a Greek word, but even in the Greek, the meaning of the word is basically equivalent to to the Hebrew word shalom, which refers to a a condition or state of law and order that results in the blessing of, of prosperity and societal wholeness. It refers to a state of of holistic human flourishing. Peace, security, love, health, happiness. That's what's meant by shalom. So this benediction is a powerful reminder, especially for people who are living under oppressive social conditions, as these first century Christians certainly were. In the midst of all of their chaos, the author of Hebrews reminds them, God is the God of peace, the God of human flourishing, the God of prosperity, and societal wholeness. And because he is for us, we are undefeatable. Chaos and darkness will not have the final word. Not even death will have the final word. In the midst of pain and suffering and death, when you feel like you have no lasting city, verse 14, seek the city that is to come. Seek the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of peace, where the God of peace dwells. And so I, wanted, I want to begin with that benediction 
um, because it's the banner that's being held over this entire chapter, really the entire book. Everything chapter 13 says about church membership and obedience and submission and whatever else, it's meant to cultivate Christian love and Christian community and the peace and shalom of God. It's meant to cultivate the kingdom. So, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Here in a bit, uh, verse 17 is going to call us to obey and submit to our current leaders. But verse 7 is past tense. It probably refers to the early church leaders, maybe even more specifically the apostles. Remember them. Remember their teaching. Consider their way of life. Consider the good fruit their lives bore. And imitate their faith. The leaders of the early church lived and led through a highly tumultuous time. A time of confusion and chaos and opposition. And so, this should be nothing new. Just imitate them. And do not be led astray. Verse 9. Do not be led astray by diverse and strange teachings. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. So, it's not exactly clear what these diverse and strange teachings were. But from the context, it's clear that they had something to do with Jewish food rituals. It is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. And verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. This is a reference back to Leviticus 16 and 17, which we read from earlier. And to be honest, the argument is a bit difficult to follow. But keep in mind, These were Jewish Christians. For centuries, the temple in Jerusalem had been the center of their entire existence. But now, as followers of Jesus, they found themselves on the outside. You see, the temple in Jerusalem was still standing at this time. And the leaders in the temple were still offering sacrifices and still sprinkling blood to, to atone for sin. But these Jewish followers of Jesus were no longer benefiting from the ministry of that temple. And so the author of Hebrews reminds them, outside the camp is the place to be. Outside the camp is where Jesus suffered. And his blood is the only blood that matters anymore. So don't be surprised if the Lord calls upon you to live as outsiders. Because if if following Jesus means living as an outsider, you're in very good company. Your fellow Jews may condemn you for abandoning their temple, but nevertheless, we have access 
to something far superior. Think back to chapter, actually, let's turn to chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. We have access to something far superior. Because of Jesus, we have, an alt- we have an altar from which they have no right to eat. So let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For we seek the city that is to come. So let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Again, don't worry about the temple. Don't worry about the sacrifices taking place there because the sacrifices that are pleasing to God are these. Worship and praise, doing good and sharing what you have. And notice, this is the context in which chapter 13 starts talking about obedience and submission to church leadership. It's to this very end. God has given leaders to the church for the purpose of facilitating proper worship and praise and good works. Verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I know... It's a bit awkward, to say the least, for a church leader to talk about obeying church leaders. But I I do want to reassure you, the leaders of this church do not ask our members to do what we are unwilling to do. Even the leaders of this church are under authority. Even the leaders of this church seek to be submissive and obedient On Friday night, Andy and I vowed a vow of obedience. And we we literally laid face down on the floor and pledged to spend our lives in your service. And this, this clerical collar, it's a symbol of slavery. And so this is this is not a power trip thing. This is a good order thing. This is a shalom thing. Church members are called to be obedient and submissive so that there can be unity and good order. So that there can be human flourishing in our midst. So that there can be peace and security and love and health and happiness. And, and notice, this, this exhortation presupposes that the members know the leaders and that the leaders know the members. It's impossible for a member to obey or submit to an, an unidentifiable leader. 
And it's impossible for a leader to give an account for an unidentifiable member. So for the sake of good order, which is, which is for your own good and, and my own good, and which serves to promote our collective perseverance in the faith, church membership is a good thing. Is church membership required for a person to be saved? No. But keep in mind that that benediction is the banner being held over all of this. We are sheep in need of shepherding. And we need to be equipped with everything good if we are to do that which is pleasing in the sight of God. You see, becoming a Christian means committing to a life of service in the kingdom of God. And the church, filled with and and empowered by the Holy Spirit, is the engine that's driving the coming of the kingdom of God. So although an individual can be saved apart from the church, to fail to participate in the life of the church is to fundamentally misunderstand God's vision for the growing good of the world and his primary means of getting us there. You can be saved apart from the church, but to fail to participate in the life of the church is to fundamentally misunderstand what that salvation is for. So this this passage assumes that you belong to a church in an identifiable way. And then it says, as far as it depends on you, Make your pastor's job an enjoyable one. Nobody wants a pastor who hates being a pastor, right? And I can say, your pastors love pastoring you. I can also say, the least enjoyable part of being a pastor is dealing with infighting and backbiting and gossip and false assumptions, and unforgiveness, and ungracious criticism. Our job is to be a blessing to you. And when you are a blessing to us, which you so often are, it fills the well from which we draw more blessing. That mutual blessing multiplies. Mutual blessing makes the church an increasingly good community to be a part of. Now, having, having said all that, I am sensitive to the fact that, that many people today and, and some of you in this room are actively working through hurt, stemming from past experience with church membership and church leadership. And so it's worth pointing out that the author of Hebrews is not merely talking about leadership in the abstract. He's talking about actual leaders he knew. He's talking about actual leaders he may have even ordained. He's not saying, obey your leaders no matter what, or obey your leaders unthinkingly, or go on trusting them even if they've repeatedly proven themselves untrustworthy. No, it's safe to assume that he knows these leaders, and he knows them to be trustworthy. And he knows them to be godly. And so there are absolutely good reasons 
to leave a church. There are, there are even good, good reasons to remove a church leader from office. But even when we do that, we do it for the sake of good order and shalom. We do it for the sake of the kingdom and for the growing good of the world. Listen, church leaders come and go. And, and because we are not Jesus, we will eventually fail you in some way. And so verse 8, verse 8 is very good news for each and every one of us, whether leader or member. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and unto the ages, it says there. Church leaders come and go, but Jesus is eternally the same. He is eternally the same. And so, I mean, make no mistake, this, this passage challenges us to commit and submit and obey and follow. But, but it also offers a, a powerful reminder that even as we go about the, the very difficult task of committing and submitting and obeying and following fallible leaders, Jesus is ultimately in charge. We ultimately submit to him. We ultimately obey him. We ultimately follow him. The book of Hebrews has demonstrated over and over again the superiority and the supremacy of Jesus. No church leader, no matter how bad, no matter how good, can threaten the superiority and supremacy of Jesus. He is our good shepherd, our great sympathetic high priest, the captain and pioneer and founder and perfecter of our faith, and he is, he is always unchangingly good. The same yesterday and today and unto the ages. And so the book of Hebrews says, hold fast. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, by the power of your Holy Spirit, equip us with everything good that we may do your will. Work in us that which is pleasing in your sight. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.